can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Testing Thursdays with Wayne. Hope everybody had a fantastic week. I certainly did. And special, special, special. This is the first time I've actually gotten a, 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 a tech question via Talking Pools. And actually, it's, it's three different questions, quite honestly. And I think that the, uh, that the answers you're going to hear me uh, give will be very, very interesting. So we got an email at TalkingPools at gmail.com from a gentleman by the name of Walker Reinheimer. And actually, it's three different questions, and I'll be addressing all three. Um, the first one is uh, pretty easy, at least for me, is how do you clean the Taylor comparator block? <laughs> um, gee, I've never done that before. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, actually, this is not only uh, a Taylor comparator block, but also any kind of test cell that you might be using from any test kit manufacturer. It's all pretty much the same. They can get kind of, as as, as Walker put in his um, uh, email to us, kind of gunky. And that's a really good word because there's no other word that can describe what it looks like. But it tends to cloud over the plastic inside. And that's that's normal. I mean, after, you know, a, a couple years of use um, and uh, exposure to chemicals and water and whatever, they do kind of gunk up. So if you're one to try to pinch a penny and, and to clean it, what do you do? Well, <laughs> it, it's kind of, it sounds kind of stupid, but this is the best way to do it. First of all, you get an old toothbrush that you will never, ever, ever use again. Okay, that's kind of important. Never, ever, ever use again. And then uh, if you're using a Taylor kit um, or a Lamotte kit, um, the sulfuric acid that's in the kits that's used for the um, total alkalinity test Add a couple of drops of that to that gunky test comparator or test cell. Then fill it up with water. Let it sit for a minute or two. Then take that toothbrush and scrub the bejesus out of it. Uh, and what that will do is remove the gunk that's inside the tube. Um, and then you'll be able to use it again. Now, it might take two or three times to do that, uh, depending upon how aggressive you are with your toothbrush. Um but that should clear it up. Now, um, along with this is that, quite honestly, you should replace a comparator block or a test cell annually uh, just to be on the consistent side because they do wear down, okay? It, it's just natural. It's normal. It's not planned obsolescence or anything like that. But you you should really replace them, particularly if you're using a comparator system that has uh, printed color standards to it because, you know, like, like anything, exposure to, to water and treatment chemicals and reagents and tablets and powders and whatnot, they're going to cause that, that color to fade at, at some point, and you're not going to get a decent, decent color match because your eyes aren't that good. So 
Um, they should be replaced annually, or if you're very judicious about your testing, maybe every two years. But cleaning them is not, not, not a problem. It's pretty easy. Old toothbrush, a couple drops of sulfuric acid, fill it up with water, scrub, scrub, scrub. And then you're good to go. That's the easiest and simplest way to do it. That's question number one. We have three. Um, is there a difference? And this one's, this one's interesting. Is there a difference between the care of painted pools versus regular plastic pools? And I think by plastic pools, I think you're talking like about the above ground Intex pop-up pools kind of deal, uh, as opposed to say fiber, fiberglass or, or acrylic shells or, or, um, um, vinyl liner in ground pools. But um, I'm, what I'm going to do is answer this question as if you're talking about anything that has to do with the vinyl, whether it's an above ground or in ground pools. Now, is there a difference? Yeah, there is, but it's not as dramatic as you think. Um, you know, you, you do all your normal maintenance stuff, your, your, you know, your equipment checks and things like that. But when it comes to chemical ranges, there is a bit of a difference. And it's only for one parameter. Because remember when I talked about water balance before? Uh, earlier on in the podcast series. Remember the phrase I kept saying over and over and over and over again, water will always try to balance itself despite your best attempts. And by trying to balance itself, what does that mean? Well, it means it's searching for calcium carbonate or calcium um, from, from anywhere it can to balance itself. So what the normal recommendation is, if you have a regular standard, you know, um, uh, a gunite pool, concrete pool, uh, your calcium hardness range should be between 200 and 400 parts per million. That's the ideal range. If you're talking about vinyl liner pools above ground or in ground, fiberglass pools, uh, spas um, of, of any surface, it's a lower amount of calcium hardness that, that's ideal, 150 to 250 parts per million. Well, why is this? Well, remember, when you're talking about hot water spas, uh, the hotter the water, more calcium comes out of solution. So if you have a smaller amount of calcium, not as much is going to come out of solution. Um, with all the other kinds of pools, fiberglass, acrylic, vinyl, there is no um, calcium for the water to find because there is none. There's no grout. There's no gunite. There's no concrete. There's no nothing. So you can keep a lower amount of calcium in those pools, 150 to 250 is the ideal range. But in your standard, everyday, in-ground, uh, gunite pool that's painted, uh, 200 to 400 is where you want to go for it. Now, why is that important? Well, we all know that water balance-wise, uh, if you keep calcium levels below 200, um, it will seek out calcium and then it'll bounce itself. And then you get pitting and chip paint and all the other stuff. And, and I know I've told the story about my community pool and, and how they didn't listen to Mr. Wayne and, and the paint chipped off because the calcium hardness level here in Baltimore is very, very low, like 50 parts per million for makeup. So that's another point too. Now that I, now that that popped into my empty head, um, always check your makeup order, whether it's a municipal water system or a, um, a ground, a, a well, I'll always check that because that, that's your starting point. Uh, even if you get water trucked in, which is a thing, um, always don't always test the water yourself that comes out of that tank. Don't rely on the results that the company gives you because they can be wrong sometimes. Sometimes, usually.
So, so you always want to check your makeup order. So the big difference is calcium hardness, uh, ideal levels. All the other parameters are good to go. A pH ideal 74 to 7.6, carbonate alkalinity 80 to 120. Um, temperature wise, uh, 78 to 82, it's more of a, a personal preference kind of thing. Um, for pools, no more than 104 for spas and hot tubs. And TDS, you don't really have any kind of control over. But we've talked about TDS before, but the but the issues are with, with dealing with TDS. And normally you don't have to deal with that unless the water in the pool or spa, hopefully not the spa, um, has been there a long time. How long is long, Mr. Wayne? Well, I'll tell you. If you pool water is has been in that pool for more than five to seven years, you might want to tech, uh, test your, your your TDS or have, have somebody test it. Because invariably, you know, everything that we add to that pool water has some degree of TDS to it, everything. And that includes treatment chemicals, sanitizers, people, yeah, everything. Okay, so if it builds up over time, it can become a problem. Uh, anything greater than 1,500 parts per million above your startup, startup, ah, TDS, that's when you need to drain some water. Uh, if you have a uh, salt water generator coring system, uh, you want to take that 1,500 number and add to that the amount of salt that's required for that pool. Then that comes from the manufacturer of the unit, and that's your upper level. So if your salt system says it can maintain 3,000 parts per million of salt in the water to produce X amount of chlorine appropriately, then that's 3,000 plus 1,500, and that's 4,500 parts per million TDS. I digress a little bit, but that's the big difference. So uh, the 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 again, it's it's calcium hardness that you have to be aware of as far as the dis- the difference is concerned. The final question, um, and this this one is going to take a little bit of, of talking about, is is the uh, what is the difference between the LSI and CSI? Is there a difference? You know, um, what 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 what's going on? Well. I was going to save this for for another podcast, but it's probably worthy talking about it because um, the the Langlier Saturation Index, or the LSI, has been the standard bearer for uh, the pool and spa industry for, well, before I even started um, in in the industry in 91. Um, and, And as I said before in earlier podcasts, you know, we all know that the LSI stands for Langlier Saturation Index. There was a guy by the name of Wilford Langlier, uh, who was a, a professor of engineering at UCLA in the 1930s. And he was approached by the then um, uh, water department at LA to help them determine how corrosive, um, how damaging the water is that comes down from the mountains to feed into the aquifers in LA to provide water for its citizens. He did did this index. He created this mathematical formula that takes into account uh, pH, carbonate alkalinity, uh, calcium hardness, TDS, and temperature. And he came up with a formula um, uh, to help define that. Now, the problem is, is that the large majority of the water that came down from the mountains um, before it ever got to an aquifer is what we call, called, what we called, tough to talk this morning, closed water systems, which means that it's in a pipe. And it's not exposed to the sun for any great length of time. So since pools are open water systems that are exposed to the sun or even indirectly, the, the LSI formula itself was kind of tweaked a little in the 1950s to what it is today. 
And I'm not going to go into the math portion of it because it is kind of lengthy and uh, you can't see any of the charts. But, I mean, if you're a CPO, it's in the back of the CPO manual. If you do a search on on Google, you know, all-knowing Google for the Langlier Saturation Index or LSI, uh, you'll see the charts there and, and you, you can figure out the math that way. Plus, um, there's a lot of apps available on online um, from either manufacturers or treatment products or testing products uh, or free or, or whatever that will help you determine the LSI. Now, and, and the LSI has been used, like I said, forever, pretty much. Now, the issue is there are several other indices that are out there that have gotten some publicity over the years. Um, there's actually five of them. I'm going to talk a little bit about each one um, and what it does and what it doesn't do. Um, let's address what uh, Walker has here, uh, the CSI, the Calcium Saturation Index. Now, the Calcium Saturation Index is is very, 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 very similar to the LSI. And in fact, I've known people that have um, you said, that have said, oh, I'm, you know, I practice uh, CSI or I use that. And what they're really doing is the, the LSI. But anyhow, there's a big difference in the um, um, ideal ranges uh, when it comes to the calcium saturation index. Um, for example, the calcium saturation index says that you can keep your um, uh, pH between 6.5 and 9.5. Uh, the temperature of the water can be anywhere from 32 to 212 degrees, so freezing to boiling. Carbonate alkalinity, a low of 10 and a maximum of 800. Calcium hardness as low as 50 and as high as 700. And TDS, uh, again, starts at 50 and goes up to 1,000. Um, so th there are some significant differences in there. Uh, quite honestly, I don't know of anybody. Uh, that uses the CSI uh, simply because of the degree of, of uh, uh, ranges that are so dramatic with the CSI um, as opposed to the LSI. Uh, it's just something that's not used a lot. Very few people do it. Um, now, there's also another index called the Reisner, R-Y-Z-N-E-R index. Uh, this is rearing its ugly head. Um, uh, maybe within the past 10 years or so. Uh, and in fact, it's gotten so much uh, publicity about it. We talk about it slightly in the CPO manual um, a little bit. And, and, and what the big thing about the, the Reisner Index, which was originally developed for industrial applications, as was the LSI, but it's primarily used for boilers and cooling towers and things of that nature. And the big difference is that the Reisner Index uh, uh, wants a very high pH, 7.8 to 8.2, which is appropriate for things like boilers. I'm not going to get into industrial chemistry or anything, or testing or anything like that, because this is a talking pool podcast, not a talking boiler podcast. Um, so the Reisner Index wants high pH, okay? Uh, all the other parameters are pretty close to what the LSI are. L-S-I-R is, or whatever verb. Anywho, so we've got the Reisner Index. The other index that's very, very popular out there and has been for a long, long time is the Hamilton Index. 
the Hamilton Index was developed by a gentleman by the name of Jock Hamilton, um, uh, 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 actually a really nice guy. Um, he, he has since passed away, uh, but he's ba- primarily based out of California, uh, the West Coast. And his index um, kind of paralleled what the Reisner Index wants as far as higher pHs. Uh, and everything else is pretty much the same. But when you do the math for uh, the Hamilton Index and the math for the uh, LSI, the Langlier Saturation Index, it comes out to pretty much the same number. Um, but because uh, Jock was so popular out on the West Coast that a lot of people still use the Hamilton Index. I, I mean, even at trade shows before I retired last year, we, they would still talk about the Hamilton Index. And why doesn't Taylor do anything about the Hamilton Index? Because, well, 90% of the country doesn't use it, that kind of deal. But it's still around, okay? And it's still um, used by a lot of old-school uh, pool technicians. Uh, so it is there. Then there's finally something called the Pecorius Index. Um, now, the Pecorius Index, I really don't know a, a whole lot about. I, what I do know is that it is um, an industrial-based calculation, kind of similar to the Reisner Index, uh, but it's out there. So we've got five different indices. You know, you've got an index, you've got an index, you've got an index, you've got an index. My very poor Oprah invitation. Um, which one do you use, quite honestly? Um, personally and, and professionally, my... my uh, preference is ideally the Langlier Saturation Index. That's the one that, that I was taught. That's the one I know well. That's the one that I teach. Um, and that's the one that I would say the clear majority of people in the pool and spa industry uh, use is the Langlier Saturation Index. Um, so a lot of the, uh, like I said, the applications that are out there, the software pieces, the the little devices like the, the Taylor's Watergram, um, some other some other devices that are non-electronic based, they're all based on the Langlier Saturation Index. And you know this this little um, battle between <laughs> um, nice battle between the LSI and the CSI and, and and the Hamilton Index and the Reisner Index, it, it rears its ugly head every every few years. Uh, you know people insist that it that it works. I remember attending a a seminar, or rather not a seminar, a presentation at the World Aquatic Health Conference, oh, how many years ago? At least seven or eight years ago, where they had an entire session on the Reisner Index and how it should be, um, you know, in place in the pool and spa industry. And there wasn't very many people in the room, I'll tell you that. But I do appreciate the enthusiasm of the speaker um, and his, his love of the Reisner Index. But Taking that, you know, with a big grain of salt, he, the guy who was presenting uh, worked for a uh, boiler company um, that manufactured them, and so I can see where his um, uh, where his loyalty—that's uh, the word I was looking for—comes from. Is that he knows what it is. So again, um, if you're if you're new in the industry, even if you're been around for a long time. Uh, clearly, the, the Langlier Saturation Index is the preferred one to use. And the, the differences are negligible between um, the, the Calcium Saturation Index and the LSI 
excuse me, the the, the LSI and the Hamilton index, that there it, 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 there's no big no big issue. CSI used by some people, not everybody. Um, um, the chorus index, it's there. I don't know anybody, anybody. Is there anybody out there? Is there anybody out there that uses the Macquarie's Index? I'd love to hear from you. Um, or the Reisner Index at, uh, on a regular basis. That would be interesting. That could be part two of this podcast. But, um, uh, yeah, the Langlier Saturation Index is, is it as far as the clear majority of, of us in the industry uh, uh, work with and want to work with because it's, it's nice and good. So... Um, that answers uh, Mr. Reinheimer's question. And Mr. Reinheimer, if you uh, would be so kind as to um, email Talking Pools uh, when this podcast comes out and when you listen to it, and we'll be more than happy to send a little thank you out to you. So with that all being said, um, if you have any technical questions, uh, again, go to talkingpools at gmail.com. And submit your question or questions, like Walker did, and um, they'll be forwarded to me, and I'll be more than happy to answer them in a podcast or maybe a personal email. It, it kind of really decides, oh, Walker, I wanted to tell you, too. Uh, Walker had referenced, and I apologize for this, Walker had referenced um, an article um, in, in a magazine, um, I forgot exactly what about but the um, link that he provided did not work. Sorry about that, Walker. I really didn't address the, the article that you said. If you want to resend that link, that would be great. Uh, so I can take a look at it and address it, address it later on. Uh, but with all that being said, hope everybody has a wonderful week. Uh, I will be talking to you then next Thursday. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People, for the Pool People, by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 